You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. This is our only chance. We have to take it. We need Kong. The world needs him. To stop what's coming. And this child. She's the only one he'll communicate with. Mike White. And I'm Chris Stashew. And we are talking tonight about Godzilla versus Kong. GBK. They don't even have the respect to call him King Kong. They just call him Kong. Could be because he's not big. Well, in the 51 years since the Skull Island stuff, he has grown quite a bit. But yes, this is the fourth film in the legendary Monsterverse. God, they couldn't come up with something better than that. And mind you, not legendary because it's good. Legendary because that's literally the name of the company. That's the production house. Yes. It's not because it's good because uh, up until this point, it has been one out of three ain't bad. 
Yeah, let's talk a little bit about our history here with these previous films. Let's start off with, um, I guess it was the first one, right? Was the Godzilla? 2014's Godzilla. Just just Godzilla. What did you think of Godzilla starring uh, the wonderful Quicksilver and Wanda Maximoff? As a married couple. It was weird because they were terrible in that movie, but yet they're not terrible actors. As we've seen with Elizabeth Olsen, well, always, Elizabeth Olsen's a great actress. That movie is not good, and I know that a lot of people like it. And I look, I don't care if you, if you like I'm not saying I don't care if you like it, but like you can like it. Go ahead. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not a fan of Gareth Edwards either. I, I don't understand the appeal. I saw Rogue One, and you can blame the studio until you're blue in the face. But that movie wasn't good. Godzilla wasn't good. And I'm sure my complaint with Godzilla is probably the same complaint that you have, which is for a movie called Godzilla, Godzilla sure isn't in it. Well, Chris, you got to understand that in the classic kaiju days, the people were on screen much more than the monsters were. And then I will retort to that, the retort that I already had ready because I've already given it to you. That's because in the original films, it was more expensive to show the monsters. So they showed the people. Now that we have technology with CGI, you know, it should be easier or at least more cost effective to just make the movie about the monsters because the Transformers did it. Uh, the Transformers franchise did. It. I mean, like every most franchises that have monsters or creatures Focus on the creatures. Don't discount Sam Witwicky. Those last two movies were terrible because there's no Witwicky in there. I kept waiting for the Witwicky. Where's the Witwicky? I said, where is he? Where's the Witwicky? So what's funny about Godzilla is the actors in that movie are good. Brian Cranston, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Julia Binoche. Ken Watanabe is in that film. Something I didn't get to mention on the last podcast we recorded. I'll mention it now. It is a bummer to me that Ken Watanabe seems to be the only Japanese actor that is hired in Hollywood. What the fuck is up with that? While he is amazing, why is he the only Japanese actor who gets cast in anything? Well, we have a new Japanese person in this latest one. We've got Shun Oguri in this one. But yeah, he's in the movie about as much as the lady who was twins in the last movie in King of the Monsters. And I didn't even realize for the longest time that she was a twin. I thought she just managed to make it from one place to another place very quickly because I don't know how people get around so fast in these movies. I mean, unless everybody is using the hollow earth, but how does Kyle Chandler go from wherever he is to Hong Kong? How does Millie Bobby Brown go to Hong Kong. Everybody meets in Hong Kong at the end of the film. And I was just like, you guys were all in Hong Kong this whole time. I really didn't think that. But they weren't in Hong Kong. They were in Blade Runner Hong Kong. As someone who has been to Hong Kong, I'll pull this card out of Wingard. Hong Kong doesn't look like that. That is what uh, dumb Westerners think it looks like. They think it looks like Night City out of Cyberpunk. They think it looks like the city out of Blade Runner. It doesn't look like that. Yes, it is a big, sprawling city, but it's not neon color-coordinated, guys. Yeah, I was pulling up pictures of Hong Kong. I was like, Hong Kong Skyline, show me this. Because I'm familiar with like the Shanghai Skyline from the Bund looking over to the other side. And it's like, okay, yeah, we've got a good skyline there, but it's not... All of Shanghai is not lit up neon like that. And you would think that the entire island is lit up the way that they have this in here. And yeah, it is ridiculous to see how much. And 
I just kept thinking of all the human life that was being wasted. And I'm just like, guys, are we not going to address that at all? That these monsters? You motherfucker. Are you being serious? Or are you kidding? I'm being 100% serious because they are in the Gamera films that they've been doing in like Shin Godzilla and some of these more recent Godzilla films, like not the American ones. They actually look at like, Here's what would happen if a giant monster actually came through your town. Here's how horrific it is. Here how's how frightening it is. We had Cloverfield. Cloverfield is the closest to an American Godzilla that we have actually yet to see. Which is fucking sad in and of itself. Really sad because it's not a very good movie, but it takes 9-11 and transmits it into a monster movie, just like Godzilla 2014 kind of was taking Fukushima and turning it into a monster movie, but then not really. I mean, there were some parallels and they did talk a little bit about like they had the whole evacuation scene and they had all this, but you come to this movie to GVK and they don't do anything about evacuating people, anything. I'm just seeing these monsters crash into these apartment buildings and businesses. And I'm just like, there's millions of people that are dead now in Hong Kong. That's fantastic. I thought you were bringing this up as a joke, as a dig at Snyder. No, 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 no. Even though that's very similar. But to be fair, yeah, because that is that is the whole Snyderification of big fight scenes post Batman versus Superman. It's like, why, where were the people? Like, who fucking cares? But once you ask that question, that bell can't be unrung. I did not really always ask that question because I was less worried about the buildings and more worried about the action and what was going on. And now that I have had that question posited to me, thanks to films like Batman vs. Superman and other films like these, you know, Shin Godzilla, stuff like that. It's like, I can't unsee it. I'm always focusing on the buildings and the people running off in the distance. It's like these people are getting destroyed. I'm thinking of a much better kaiju film, which is Pacific Rim. And I'm thinking of what happens when a kaiju attacks a a city where Ron Perlman is. And you see all of the people running into the underground bunkers. And it's like, okay, kaiju are a thing. Obviously, that by this point, Godzilla is a thing. Three years later. So you would think that they would have bunkers or something like that that would protect them from a kaiju attack. But there's none of that in here. I mean, we talked about how you see the humans more than the monsters. I would say, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but I would say there are too many human characters in Godzilla versus King Kong. There's so many that I can't keep track of all of them. In Godzilla, there were, what, two human, three human characters, and they focused on them too much. In Kong Skull Island, which I think we both enjoyed the most out of the three, the first three, maybe not this one, who knows, we'll get to it. The characters and Kong shared the space equally. And even if it was maybe more towards the humans, the humans were well-written characters. They were interesting people. We had conflict. We split up the group, and we'll talk about splitting up the group. We split up the group into very interesting combinations of people great yeah we kind of knew the kong story we didn't need it told to us again it was a little bit of a different thing kong skull island is very spider-man homecoming-esque we know the kong story don't tell us the kong story don't assume we're fucking morons because we're not they mentioned king kong in jurassic park we know what it is then we come to godzilla king of the monsters which is like, hey, motherfuckers, you complained about having too many humans in this movie. We are going to throw every 
monster that we can possibly think think of. I think even the Mudos come back from the first one, and it's just like here they all are, all on screen. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it works really well. That our main character's mother, who I think we're supposed to sympathize with Vera Farmiga at some point, that she's one of the people who's she's essentially a villain. But yet, since she's one of our main character's parents, we're supposed to care about her. And I guess she gets her comeuppance at the end, but she's a villain. And why would you make Vera Farmiga a villain? She's such a damn charming actor. And why would you put Kyle Chandler in a leading role? The guy has all the charisma of a wet sock. Uh, Look, the guy has had one role that has kind of kept him in contention for other things, which is Friday Night Lights. He's great on that uh, TV show because it wasn't even the movie he was in. That was Billy Bob Thornton. He's playing the, I believe he's playing the Billy Bob Thornton character on TV. And that's kind of where he made his bones, at least in contemporarily, at least closer to this film coming out. And yeah, he's a good character actor, but let's jump a little farther. Why is anyone casting Alexander Skarsgård in anything? Well, he had to take a hero role after being a villain in so many films. Which films? Well, he was in The Stand. Sorry. So that wasn't a film. I didn't see it. So that's that would go to why I didn't realize. I mean, I knew he was in it. I just hadn't seen it. If you take any Skarsgård and throw them in a movie, I'm going to think that they're the villain. Another film that's coming out later this year on HBO Max features Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen. So it's not a it's not a logical leap here. Looking at Alexander Skarsgård's filmography, it's fantastic. I didn't realize that he was in both Zoolander films. Oh, yeah, he plays the friend. Straw Dogs, Melancholia, Battleship, which I've seen, The Giver. I always forget he's in Zoolander as Mikas. Jesus Christ. Yeah, The Legend of Tarzan. He was Tarzan in that. And then like a whole bunch. Oh, Mute. I guess I did watch Mute. I suffered through that one. The Hummingbird Project, Hold the Dark, The Aftermath, Long Shot, The Kill Team, Passing. I've not heard of any of these films. And yet he shows up in King Kong versus Godzilla as the lead of what would have been a summer blockbuster. This would have been the first summer blockbuster to come out. So Godzilla King of the Monsters, I will say, has a lot of monsters, but it also has a lot of humans. I really I just I didn't care for it. And I didn't care for Millie Bobby Brown as our main protagonist. It was weird that she's with her mom, that she's not with her mom. Then Kyle Chandler's chasing them around this whole thing. If we're going to control the monsters and that they killed Ken Watanabe and Sally, well, Sally Hawkins, her death is so like, did she just die kind of thing? It's like, wait a second. She was in a scene and now she's not in the next scene. Did she? She got Brian Cranston from Godzilla. She got more like uh, the black guy from the predator is what I felt like where you're like, wait, wasn't he just there? And now he's dead. So this is the only opportunity I get to tell this story. And this is the only time I'm telling this story because we never did a podcast on it. When Godzilla King of the Monsters came out back in 2019, I went and saw it in theaters and my co-host at the time, Eric, really liked it. And I remember he tweeted something at Michael Doherty about, I I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there's like a thing reference in Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's like a very subtle, like, I think it's like the name of the Arctic base that they're at. It's like, it's something where it's like, if you know, you know, and it's like, okay, cool, great. But in, in, in reference, if you know it, you know it, if you don't, great. And that wasn't my issue. With the movie. My issue with the movie was it was full of religious iconography to the point where it's like the subtlety that you're attempting to go for here is not 
subtlety. It is straight up just you're beating us over the head with this. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think American audiences and I think, you know, we talked about it on a recent episode of your show. Subtlety is a is a hard thing to come by. And American audiences tend to not like it or don't really care. And so I said something to the effect on Twitter. I was like, I responded to his tweet, Eric's tweet, and Michael Doherty's was added as well. And I said, you know, I thought at Michael Doherty's Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was full of religious iconography. And it was about as subtle as a two by four to the head. He didn't block me, which is funny. He took another step. He actually went and put me on a list of mean people on Twitter, which is fine. I mean, look, my tweet could be construed as mean. That's fine. If you thought it was mean, fine. Uh, It is a legitimate criticism about a film that you made. And also, you made a movie in the Hollywood system. I haven't. So your response to me should have just told me to go fuck myself because I didn't make, I haven't made a Godzilla movie. And oh, by the way, Michael Doherty is still working in Hollywood. So it's not like his career was completely tanked by one random dude on the internet's comment. But hey, I get it. You have nothing better to do. It's fine. It's fine. It is our job to talk about movies. It's not like I said, your movie's a piece of shit. Nobody watch it. I just said it's not very subtle. Subtlety is not required when you're talking about fucking Godzilla anyways. But it can be. You can be subtle. You should treat these creatures like the metaphors that they are. The metaphors that they were created to be. Kind of perverse American directors co-opting a creation of a culture that created that thing solely to try and figure out how to deal with the fallout, both literal and figurative, fallout of a nuclear bombing and a world war and then we're just like nah it's just big monsters fighting and destroying more asian cities (laughs) like oh god come on at least have them fight in new york or something put it on our home soil for a while the godzilla films they started off that way but they quickly became like children's fair it was weird how that happened but yeah the original godzilla fucking fantastic and very well done and and yeah it's a fantastic metaphor but yeah, pretty soon they're guys in suits battling it out. It's like, all right, great. And yeah, to take our our thing of King Kong, who is, you know, kind of a stand-in for colonialism and just like, okay, great, thanks. And race relationships, you can also put those on there as well. You can talk about the 76 version where they're there for oil. It's just like, wow, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on here. You can talk about the Jackson version, you know, the best version. Oh. Thank God it's not part of this monsterverse. I'll just put it out there. I did not enjoy Godzilla versus Kong. Me either. What a surprise, said no one. We're going to take a lot of shit for not liking it uh, because we can't get past the fact that, you know, well, here's the thing. We talk about movies all the time, so we don't know anything about entertaining movies. We just know about high art. No, um, I love watching stupid shit. I watch stupid shit more than I watch serious stuff because stupid shit is infinitely more entertaining. I love movies where you have big explosions and shit like that. But you know what I like in those movies? I like when you actually know how to write characters. And I like when you actually know how to write a plot. Because, yes, this movie features King Kong and Godzilla fighting. There is so much of that, I can't complain about it. But you know what? That is just set dressing. Because you couldn't even attempt to tell a story. So much so that the villains, the villains, have one or two scenes before they die. Get fucking out of here. It is buzz. This movie is 
two Godzilla King Kong fights with some shit strung together to try to get you to those two points. This movie was so many other movies all mixed together. Like as soon as they introduced our main villain, this guy whose name is Walter, but he doesn't look like a Walter. Demian Bashir, known Walter Looker. He comes out and I thought the first thing out of his mouth was going to be, Life is good, but it can be better. Ah, uh, he was totally that guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we move into King Kong territory. We have, oh, our favorite thing, a podcaster in a movie. I don't know how this guy distributes his podcast, but it's pretty immediate. Um, and it gets really good audio quality for sitting in his truck at work before he goes in. So kudos to him. I worry about the optics of a movie where one of the main characters in the film, you're meant to be sympathetic of essentially like a, a certain kind of letter person. Certain kind of letter person. That's an A, and here's a B, and nobody care about no C. And here come K, walking into place along with L. You know what I mean? And M was cool. M said to N, Q, 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 Q. A Q anoner. The carrot, the mate. Ryan Tyree Henry's character is essentially like a conspiracy theorist. If you buy into one conspiracy in this movie, you have to buy into all of the conspiracies. Like that they're putting fluoride in the water? That they're putting fluoride in the water. That was my biggest fucking problem with this movie, because Millie Bobby Brown seems like she should be our protagonist. But as soon as he asks her if she drinks tap water, and she says no because of the fluoride, I'm just like, wait, she's crazy? I don't want a crazy protagonist. She's a conspiracy theorist, too. Does this all come because the Hollow Earth conspiracy theory is actually true in this universe? What the fuck is going on? I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, the fucking millennial guy. But for me, it's a little weird that you're trying to make a character who is essentially a QAnon or a sympathetic character. And the optics of it in 2021 aren't great. Look, if that's not what you were going for, I get it. And that's fine. But... Like with so many other things, it's less about what you're saying and how it's being received. And the way I'm receiving it is, this is a Alex Jones-esque character, probably even more fringe than that, given the things that he's talking about, being, like you said, validated. And it's fucking bonkers, because he's he's one of the protagonists, and he shouldn't be, given what he is. He thinks that something is happening at work, and something actually is happening at work. Okay, great. Cool. You can talk about your podcast. You can talk about that. You can talk about that there are kaiju in this world and how fucked up that is. That's great. Yeah, it's not even a conspiracy theory. But why are you bathing in bleach? Why are you not drinking the tap water? Like I said, if one conspiracy is true, they all seem to have to be true in this. Or at least they're being perceived as such. I would be absolutely fine if he was a podcaster doing a serial type podcast, but about his place of business and that they seem to be covering something up and it seems to have something to do with Monarch and the Kaiju. Okay, great. That's cool. Go for it. But yeah, he is completely unhinged and oh God, the Chekhov's whiskey bottle in this movie. What the fuck? How many times are we going to talk about the the whiskey in the holster and his thing? It's just like, here, let me hit you. Because not only do we get that once where we get it set up, but then we get it again in the middle of the film. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And it they have to use that in order to short out the computer. I'm just like, 
Russell, just pee on the thing. It doesn't matter. If this was Deadpool 2, that's what you would do. You would be pissing on it. God damn it, I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it'd do any good. Yeah, I honestly forgot that he was in Deadpool. I As soon as I saw him, I was just like, okay, that's the guy from Deadpool 2 and The Hunt for the Wilder People. And he's wasted in this film. He's just like the whiny little bitch friend where I'm like, why are you even friends with Millie Bobby Brown? Uh, or the fact that there is a character in this film who is the son of Ken Watanabe's character from the last movie who's now just a villain. That was wrong. Kyle Chandler shows up for five minutes for no reason. Three scenes, I believe. For no reason. This movie feels more like the Snyder Cut Justice League movie I was expecting than the Snyder Cut Justice movie Justice League movie ended up being. There were all these people in this movie for two or three minutes, and that is what I expected from Zack Snyder's Justice League, was just to be like, oh, and here comes uh, the Flash, he walks through, here comes the so-and-so, he walks through. And in this movie, that is what we get. Here comes uh, fucking Lance Reddick. Here comes Damien Bashir because Lance Reddick's in this movie. Yeah, what the um, fuck, man? When he showed up, I don't know. So I, I was reading on uh, Wikipedia that uh, where is it? Reddick's role was originally larger. Wingard stated there was a scene earlier in the film, a big boardroom scene where they're setting up the mission. He had a larger role, but ultimately we didn't need that scene. Release the Wingard cut. Frankly, I think you kind of did need that. If you're going to focus on one character in the movie, focus on one character. That's that's all I have to say. Focus on one fucking character. Focus on the little deaf girl and how she's teaching King Kong sign language. Though it sounds like he actually says the word home when he signs it. I'm like, can he actually speak? Like, is he going to vocalize? Is he like Caesar from Planet of the Apes? Focus on that relationship and then go ahead. You can expand to the Kong Whisperer lady, and then maybe you can expand to Alexander Skarsgård. But then that takes you into another movie, which is The Core. Like, suddenly the movie becomes The Core for five minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, where's DJ Qualls when I need him? It actually becomes something even better. It becomes Journey to the Center of the Earth all of a sudden. Where was B. Frazier and The Rock? Were they lost down there? I don't know what the rules are down there. Is it a Dyson sphere kind of thing? Because it seems like there's a sun in the middle of the earth, but gravity's weird. And I'm like, okay, this is like that scene in total recall when they're going through the earth and suddenly the gravity acts up. So the total recall, the remake, I was about to say, mind you, the shitty, the shitty one, the shitty one, this is, this seems to take a lot from a lot of shitty movies is what I'm trying to say. Other than, I kept waiting for a Jaeger to show up and start kicking ass. I mean, a Jaeger did show up. <laughs> Mike, come on. Within five minutes of the movie, when they showed the guy and he's at the plant and he, and he sees this thing, I go, they're building a Mechagodzilla. There's no fucking way this movie went to Mechagodzilla. Sure enough. When we talked last time on the last podcast we did together, I was talking about the spoiler that started with an M and ended with an A. And it was the spoiler that everybody guessed before the movie even came out. I don't know how you managed to not spoil it for yourself. Oh, yeah. I stayed away from everything. To me, having, uh, you know, limited knowledge of the Toho films, but knowledge enough, uh, this, the introduction of Mechagodzilla in this film is similar to Doomsday's introduction in Batman v Superman. It's like, this is a bigger part of this universe than you're treating it. And Mechagodzilla, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in a lot of Mechagodzilla movies, he doesn't just get destroyed. He just gets thrown somewhere else. So that he can come back. What are they going to spend millions upon billions of dollars to rebuild Mechagodzilla or is Mechagodzilla dead after a 
a, a, a fun fight scene with a, uh, I will, and I will say this as well, because we're talking about Mechagodzilla, he looks like shit. Uh, his character design is once again Steppenwolf slash Cyborg-esque. Just throw a bunch of silver stuff on screen. Don't give us an idea of what's moving or what it's actually inspired by because it doesn't really look like Godzilla. And let's go on. I have made no bones about it. I'm a big fan of Pacific Rim. I even kind of like parts of Pacific Rim too. This whole idea of them building these Jaegers and using Kaiju brain to control the Jaegers. It's very similar to the idea of we're going to use King Ghidorah's psionic abilities to communicate with Mechagodzilla. Again, I don't know where these characters are at any point. They're in Pensacola at the beginning. Pensacola gets destroyed. I guess they moved to Hong Kong. Yeah, they were like underground, like underground mag rail, conveniently underneath the entire uh, ocean. Two oceans. Actually, not just two oceans, the Gulf of Mexico and the Pacific Ocean in secret that nobody knew about. They're basically traveling through the hollow earth as well, but not really. Right above the hollow earth, maybe? They're using King Ghidorah's psionic ability to control Mechagodzilla when they get that MacGuffin from the hollow earth, that like sparkly stuff. It shorts out that poor Japanese guy who's now a villain who was once Ken Watanabe's son shorts him out. And is it really like King Ghidorah who's fighting against Godzilla? It was weird that the movie didn't answer that question. Wasn't it? Or it was almost lazy. See, I I, I don't know. That's the funny thing. Uh, all I could think in that scene was man element X. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. It's, it's funny to me, Mike, we literally watched King Kong escapes over the weekend. That film is from 66 and it's plot makes more sense than this film's does. And by the way, they're practically the same plot. It's shocking. I watched Godzilla versus Kong twice, once yesterday, once today, just because I was so confused by the first time I watched it that I sat down and I was just like, I'm going to watch this again today, computer down, everything down, just watching this movie. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? I have no idea what's going on right now. Like they, they kind of string things together, but not very tight. It's very, very loose knit. This movie it just feels like you can poke holes in it like crazy. For me, I, I know you don't re- you and I aren't the whole poker dudes. We're not cinema sins. Those guys can suck the ball sack of the world united. We're not here to do that. But to your point. We will do that when your film is as fucking lazy as this film is. Because look, again, we have no problem watching movies that are just big, dumb action movies. But this movie isn't dumb. It verges on idiotic and lazy. And frankly, it it falls right into the camp of lazy. It falls into the trap of we have King Kong. We have Godzilla. We don't need to tell a story around them. I don't want anyone to take my complaint or criticism of any of these films about the human characters as I don't want human characters. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I want you to fucking put in some effort to make me care about these fucking characters and not just make them generic stereotypes. Japanese scientist, American soldier, American soldier's wife, American soldier's father, random, uh, under 18 child now over 18 child with Millie Bobby Brown, who is literally not a character in either film. Don't try to tell me that I should care about these characters and have them show up in multiple films. If you didn't even write them well, the first time or the second time. And if we get another one of these fucking movies, it'll be the fifth or sixth time. Well, I did notice it was very odd that this is the first movie that doesn't have a post-credit scene. 
because all the others had post-credit scenes that were leading from one to the next to the next or kind of teasing different things. Not this one. Yeah, because this film has been called a crossroads. You know what crossroads means? It means we're gonna means, we're gonna lose the rights to Godzilla. Yeah, I also took it as uh, if this movie doesn't make money, we're fucked. I.e., lose the rights to Godzilla. Yeah, we'll just make Kong movies from now on because we probably own the rights to that. I'm going to sound like a fucking conspiracy theorist right now, but this movie was released a couple days before we got to see it. It was released in China, mainland t- China. I found it very interesting that the battle at the end. This has nothing to do with. Tokyo has nothing to do with Japan, that the battle at the end takes place on Hong Kong, which has been a major, quote unquote, source spot for China for well over a year, two years going on, the fight for democracy over in Hong Kong. I want to say that maybe this was kind of pandering to the Chinese as far as we're punishing Hong Kong by having these kaiju battle it out on your on their turf. Next, he's going to say Disney Plus is Mulan bombed. Which it did. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's, look, a decision was made. They had to set it somewhere. They chose to, they chose to set it in Hong Kong. A year ago, Hong Kong was in the same state that it was in now. Two years ago, it was still in the same state that it's in now. I mean, it's like if you'd set it in Taiwan, in Taipei, it's like, oh yeah, this is another place China like will not relent its control over. It is funny because I hadn't thought about that, but thinking about it now, I don't know how much of it is a conspiracy and it's just like, an. are there really such things as coincidences? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, but not everything is a coincidence, like putting fluoride in the water. You have to make a very conscious effort, especially since all of these disparate characters are all meeting in Hong Kong at the end. It's not an accident. It's not like they ended up in Orlando up the street from Pensacola. They all went all the way to Hong Kong. And then they went all the way from the hollow earth to Hong Kong, the literal elevator of laziness. I I am like, Mike, I, I cannot believe how lazy this movie was in getting Kong to Godzilla. It is immensely lazy in the most shocking way possible. It's the blue light of death dialed up so much so that it goes all the way through the earth. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't believe when Godzilla leans down and starts radioactive breathing through the earth. I'm just like, really? He's digging a hole to Middle Earth. Yeah, he's going to get Samwise and Frodo. That's what my wife kept saying during the movie. She's like, is King Kong out of Middle Earth yet? And I was like, well, yes, also not Middle Earth, but yes, also Middle Earth, technically. All I have to ask, I just have one question. Where was Godzilla in the West Westworld? I've seen things talking about this. We all have kind of heard about it. But like the blue light thing, the pillar of blue light that seems to be prevalent in a lot of big studio films. I have Fantastic Four or Age of Ultron, Avengers 2. This is so lazy. And yet not only are you using it in your film, this is the example I'm going to go to from now on. Because you didn't just use it in your film. You used it as a a lazy backdoor to get everybody into one spot. The thing between Hong Kong and Pensacola, that's fine. That's a story choice. And that makes sense if you're talking about their transporting things back and forth. But Godzilla just going and blasting a hole and then they just climb out through it. It's like, oh, come You couldn't have done anything else. Nope, movie's got to be over in two hours, uh, which is a long runtime to begin with. Because they talk about in the previous movie, they're like, oh, hey, there's a whole series of tunnels, and that's how they move from one place to another so quickly. They go through the hollow earth. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, why don't you just say that there's a 
tunnel nearby there. Why don't you say there's a Hellmouth in Hong Kong or something or on Skull Island? Or you could take them back to Japan where this whole monster verse started, where Brian Cranston passed away and his wife definitely passed away. It's like, as soon as we're introduced to Alexander Skarsgård as Dr. Lind, this Walter guy comes in and he's just like, blah, blah, blah. Sorry about your brother. Cause I guess his brother died from doing one of these, like going to the, the center of the earth. Maybe he was played by Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> Hollow earth jump, bro. But I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, who's Dr. Lind? Uh, do we know him? Is he from another movie? We've had three other movies by now. And so I'm like looking at all the character names. I'm just like, wait a second. This is the first time this guy's ever shown up. Why the fuck are they talking about his brother? Why didn't you show that? Why are you telling me about this thing with his brother dying? I don't know this guy. I have no empathy for this guy, and I don't know his, who his brother is either. So what the fuck? I don't care. I was checked out of this movie pretty much from minute one, and it just it drove me crazy because I'm just like, no, no, no. I want to get interested. I want to see. The, I want to see this this little girl from the tribe. Okay, cool. That's good. They're kind of tying into to the previous films from Kong Skull Island. I was intrigued when Kong figured out that he was in the Hunger Games and threw the, the spear up at the sphere that was keeping him inside. Okay, that was intriguing. I don't know why Godzilla's been around for all these years. Kong's been around for all these years. I don't know why two alpha predators have to be fighting on this entire Earth. Okay, so you're talking about the Kong containment thing. And again, we're going to nitpick here because, again, this is a movie that doesn't seem to think that the audience should use their brains more than for two minutes, which is unfortunate because when you treat your audience like idiots, the quality of entertainment decidedly declines because all of a sudden people are okay with just making something with no character progression or or growth i mean you have millie bobby brown's character in two films and she doesn't grow between either one and you have a character show up twice that's that's the point uh but but all of that aside the film lost me immediately when it came to the king kong containment center he never left before anyways where was he going that island was surrounded by a storm did the storm go away i I don't did it did it go the way at the end of kong skull island i don't remember it going away it didn't go away. My wife swears that there's a line in the movie about the island sinking. And I'm like, I didn't hear that at but all. But it didn't sink anyways, because they're on the island. I What I didn't understand is you, you're going to go and study Kong. Fine. Cool. Makes sense with Monarch in this universe. But you build a dome, even though King Kong is not a, a, a flight flight threat. And Did then they t- build the dome on Skull Island or was yeah. that another island? No, it was on Skull Island. It said Monarch Containment System Skull Island. But it gets but in my mind it gets better. So Kong is on Skull Island under a giant dome. They're also on Skull Island and like a research part. It's been established that Kong is not harmful to people, but yet you've put this giant creature in essentially a Jurassic Park Indominus Rex-esque dome so you're treating it like a wild animal and then on top of everything else the main the main other female character played by rebecca hall another great actress completely underserved by the role she goes half like a third of the way of the movie she's like he can talk with sign language like i've been studying him for 10 years if you've been studying him for 10 years were you studying very hard were you studying like i did the night before an exam in college where you just you know 
did it the night before. And then you were surprised that the kid could do sign language. It was super weird. Like there are a lot of scenes in this movie that are being played very dramatically. Like the scene where the little girl comes out and does sign language with Kong. And then you have Rebecca Hall come out and it's like, Oh my God, he can sign language. Uh, yeah. Yes. You should have known you were teaching him sign language. Why are you surprised for me? It rings hollow like the rest of the film. It's all set dressing. There's no substance. The wizard is standing behind the curtain. Like, don't look back here. It's just a bunch of buckets full of detergent to clean the floor with later. There's not, there's so little of substance in this movie. And I think the unfortunate thing is because you focus again on the characters throughout the, the humans again, and they didn't write them very well. It's not a good movie. The character of Walter Simmons is supposed to be our big bad. Then you've got the Asian guy, the Japanese guy, Ren Serizawa, uh, played by Shun Ogori. And then you get his daughter, Maya Simmons, who just shows up to give us one-liners and break balls. And I'm like, uh, why do we even, why is she even here? And then he'll, and then he'll turn at the most obvious moment. Yes. Yes. I'm like, Okay, I'm surprised she didn't get stepped on by Kong. She was that type of a character. I was waiting for the spaceship to start rolling, and then instead of going left or right, she just kept running straight and then let it run her over, a la Charlize Theron of Prometheus. It it cracked me up. I couldn't tell, and this is, again, this is of me digging way too deep. I couldn't tell if Adam Wingard was making, like, a King Kong-frontation reference. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Kong-frontation, the ride at uh, Universal... Uh, Florida, there was a ride called Confrontation where you would sit in a, this already sounds better than the movie. You sit in a trolley car that is connected on top. So imagine like Peter Pan's flight and this trolley car can move tilt and you go on a track like you're on a trolley car in New York when King Kong shows up and he, it's a giant King Kong puppet. But the thing that I don't know, and if, if he was going for it, awesome. That's great. It's really cool is there's a scene where you're like in front of Kong and he's like grabbing and shaking your trolley car. And I think that Isaac Gonzalez scene where she dies after being in the movie for 10 minutes, I think it was like a weird nod to that. If not, it was a cool shot of like Kong grabbing the thing and then going, ah, fuck you and crushing it. But like, again, that character was supposed to be a villain. I like the idea of them giving these movies to younger directors who don't necessarily have experience with these things. I think Jordan Voight Roberts from King Kong Skull Island. I thought he did a fantastic job. I like that he had a sense of humor about himself. He actually was on the Honest trailer, did the voiceover for his own Honest trailer, which I thought was fantastic. You you talked about the director of the first one, uh, who also did Monsters in Rogue One, and I'm just like, yeah, not a big fan. And then... Adam Wingard, I know a lot of people are just like falling over themselves because he comes from a horror background. And I was one of the few people I know that did not like your next. I never saw the guest. I avoided death note like the plague because I really liked the, the anime of that. And I really liked the original Japanese live action versions of that because our friend chairman Kaga, well, the original chairman Kaga was. Oh, in that. wow. Now I have to watch it. And I didn't see his Blair Witch, but I hear that that's fantastic, Chris. Oh, so it was so good that Adam Wingard doesn't have it in the first paragraph on his Wikipedia page. 
Well, he does now. Well, he does now. That film, Blair Witch 3, or as it's called, which I'm sure just drives you up a fucking wall and back down it. Uh, and that's funny that like I know that now because you mentioned it once and I'm always thinking about it every time I hear a film title. I'm like, God, this will drive Mike nuts. The film's just called Blair Witch. The thing about that movie is it was actually teased as a different film. It was teased as a film called The Woods for like three or four months. At Comic-Con, the big one, they like had a big unveiling unveiling that it was like, oh shit, at the end of the trailer, it was like, I, I don't remember how they did it, but they did something where it was like the title that they had been filming it under had like dissolved. And then it was like, it's Blair Witch. And everyone's like, oh, Blair Witch, new Blair Witch movie, awesome. And I was there too. I was like, this is awesome. And it was a really well done, like advertising stunt. It is. I mean, it's a good advertising stunt, but God, that movie's awful. It is not only not good, it also completely destroys any interest you would have in the mythos and the mythology of that universe, you know, ostensibly our reality, but the reality that Blair Witch lives within, you would have no interest in it after watching Blair Witch 3 because Blair Witch 3 just goes, yeah, it's kind of aliens and time travel and not witches. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's not explicitly stated as aliens, but it's referenced enough and talked about in such a way that the only answer is aliens and the way that they do certain scenes. I'm not saying it's space aliens, right? But it goes without saying it's fucking space aliens. Long limbed pale creatures moving through the trees. It's all very like, this seems like it's one thing, but it's probably something else. And that was something the original Blair Witch never touched on. And this film, the this new Blair Witch, not only touches on it, it's it's so much fun. I'm going to spoil it right now. So if you've never watched it, just pause for a second. This Blair Witch movie, the third one, they go back in time and interact with the characters from the first movie. Because that whole area of Burkittsville is like a... It's like a time loop, like a black hole where you can like go in there and time ceases to exist. And so like they went back in time, but maybe not back in time. Maybe it's like a time stasis field and friend of the podcast, a frequent guest and co-host of mine on Scary Stories We Tell, Jess Byard, calls Blair Witch 3 the drone movie because there's a lot of drone filming, like using drones to tell the story, which is, you know, super good. But yeah, no, that Blair Witch 3 was like... I'm with you. I don't like your next very much anymore. I've seen it two times now. The second time I watched it, I didn't like it very much. The guest is Adam Wingard's best film. I'm disappointed that horror directors being asked to do films like this don't bring more of their sensibility to it. Yeah, because there's definitely no horror elements in this. It's I can't even tell that it's an Adam Wingard movie. It's, it's just so sprawling, and it doesn't need to be that sprawling. It shouldn't be that sprawling. And I'm looking at the other writers, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, the, the one of the guys, Eric Pearson, he has written a lot of good things. He did uncredited re- rewrites on Ant-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming. He co-wrote Thor Ragnarok. He did an uncredited rewrite for Pacific Rim Uprising. So maybe that's where that idea of the kaiju brain inside of the Jaeger comes from. He's done decent stuff. The other guy has done some good stuff. Michael Bornstein, he had a hand in Skull Island, but I think that was probably Dan Gilroy that really brought that to the party. Where where did these things go wrong? It feels like this movie just did not have 
a point of view, didn't know what it wanted to do. It just, you know, rather than dealing with the characters that they already set up, they just started stuffing more and more and more and more characters into it. And it's just like, you don't have to do this. You do not have to just overload us with all of these people. And yeah, like you said, there's two big fights. One of them doesn't really even make any sense to me because it's out on the ocean and I'm just like waiting for everybody to have drowned. And I don't know how they don't tip over the boat that they're on and, and kill everybody. I don't know whose idea it was to set that scene in the water, but they need their fucking head examined. The last thing you want to do is put a constraint on yourself so severe that the scene suffers. Like, I'm sorry, but King Kong and Godzilla fighting underwater is not compelling. Not at all, because we know King Kong can't survive underwater. And we also know, because, again, with movies like this being what they are, uh, I think we should dip into that a little bit. We know that Kong and Godzilla are not going to kill each other. Because even in the most bombastic of these kinds of versus films, be it Freddy versus Jason, be it Alien versus Predator, there is no such thing as a definitive outcome because definitive outcomes don't make money. It's like the Alien versus Predator poster said, whoever wins, we lose. And we lost big time on this movie. It's not just a bad Godzilla movie. It's a bad King Kong movie. And for me, the latter is the worst part. I knew Godzilla is not going to be great. I wasn't a fan of Godzilla in this franchise's world anyways, but I liked Kong as a character. And now I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I don't care where this goes. I don't care that Kong finds a big old hatchet axe down in the Middle Earth and and my axe bring that uh, up there and it's got the same radiation. You know what the axe head was? Was it a Godzilla spine? Yeah, it was a Godzilla spike out of his like back. You know, hinting at there was more going on. You could have showed it. You could have showed the Godzilla creatures and the King Kong creatures fighting each other. I, I would have watched that shit just have a Wonder Woman-esque Darkseed scene where King Kong's like... And it's like, yeah, he's telling the story of Godzilla and Kong's fighting. Or they find a cave where it's... I mean, Jesus Christ, you want to spend some money? Let's spend some money having giant amounts of monsters fighting. That would blow my mind. King Kong's and Godzilla's just fighting with wanton abandon would be amazing. All those post credit scenes where it's just like, oh yeah, here we found these cave drawings of all this stuff. Okay, go ahead. Show us why They've they have these it. cave drawings. Yeah. <laughs> the, you've got Charles Dance buying the, the Godzilla or the Ghidorah head at the end of the last one. So why isn't he in this movie? It's like, I didn't even understand how Millie Bobby Brown knew what skull skull crawlers were, that they kept that name, that name that John C. Riley comes up with in Kong Skull Island, and that she sees one of these things and goes, oh, that's a skull crawler. And I'm like, that's the accepted nomenclature, and that has gotten off. Okay, I guess because your dad works for Monarch, we can pretend that you know that. Thank you for pointing that out. But that was like a throwaway line when they're running away. They're like, oh, God, it's a skull crawler. I thought the same thing. I was like, that is a King Kong thing that I didn't. It wasn't in Godzilla King of the Monsters because it could have been. Why was he growing all of those skull crawlers? Was it just to have something for Mechagodzilla to spar against? I guess to, to vaporize with its laser. Don't give it a mouth laser. Be different. 
Don't be exactly laser. Godzilla. Chest laser, eye laser. Didn't the Mecha Godzilla in the original Toho films did had eye lasers and chest lasers, right? Pretty sure. It's been a while since I've seen those, but what I don't understand here about introducing Mecha Godzilla is again the buildup should have been more. Mecha Godzilla is a big deal. I mean, the fact that they're building a giant are they building a giant robot inside of Mount Fuji? Or some, I mean, or I know it's on Mount Fuji, but like, again, I, 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 this could have been any nondescript Asian city, given that they're just, you know, neoning it into the ground. It almost makes more sense that it's Tokyo in a way. It like busts out of a mountain, just like near the town. They're just building a Godzilla in the hills. Like, yeah, sure. Who cares? It, had he said something, Walter, this is, had Walter said something about, yeah, he could have been Tony Stark in it and been like, hey, man. These kaiju are here. These monsters have come from we don't know where. Some of them have even come from outer space. We got to have protection against this. And so, but his motivations are so vague. It's just like, oh, there's two alpha predators. So I need to make this thing. And you know what? Junkie XL, who I think did the soundtrack for this, it's a lazy fucking soundtrack. Like every other time I've seen Godzilla show up in these other movies, you get the Godzilla theme. I didn't really hear that too much here. I didn't hear a Kong theme. I didn't hear a Mecha Godzilla theme. Like I would have loved towards the end when you get those three guys battling it out, having those three, three themes fighting would have been fantastic. Pull together musically what you're doing visually. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to have lead motifs are for Lord of the Rings. Mike lead motifs are for Godzilla movies too. They're for any movie where you respect your audience. And I just, I felt very disrespected by this film. I I actually, I actually 100% agree with you. That is kind of the same feeling I had. And, and the sad thing is, uh, well, it's not sad, but I guess it's just a, it's a difference of how you approach watching film. I've talked to a fair amount of people and seen a fair amount of people on Facebook, as I'm sure you have who enjoyed it. And I don't see what you enjoyed outside of the two things that I enjoyed, because if you enjoyed more than that, I don't know what the fuck you were watching this movie for. I enjoyed this movie for two things, Godzilla and King Kong and fighting. And they do it two times. That's it. There is a bunch of shit in between that doesn't need to be there because it's not well written. If it had been well written, I want to see characters. Give me a character who has some vendetta against Godzilla or Kong and is trying to hunt them or something. Put in any effort as opposed to none because I like monsters fighting, as I know you do, but I don't like them fighting when there doesn't seem to be a reason. When our dogs play and my granddaughter's over and she sees them and they're roughhousing and stuff, and she's just like, why are they fighting? Every time I saw Godzilla versus Kong as the title, I just kept thinking in my head, why are they fighting? There's no good reason for them to fight. They should be friends. And how do they control Godzilla? I don't know. I don't know how they control Godzilla. He just shows up. He destroys the one plant. They make him out to be a terrorist. They have a CNN break. They have like in the beginning of the movie, they have like the commercial break for Walter's company. And that goes on a little bit. And then they have the CNN break after Godzilla destroys the factory. And I'm just like, are we going to get to the movie anytime soon? Like, this is really strange how you just keep breaking that and and going to other things and where was the cnn news break at the end of the movie where hundreds of millions of people in hong kong died but pensacola florida more important don't put those news break things in your movie if you're not willing to do it another time or 
you could be like Paul Verhoeven and put news breaks in there and actually show how ridiculous the world is and like use it as an opportunity to build the world. They have news breaks in uh, in Pacific Rim. The opening of Pacific Rim is like, here's what happened when the kaiju came, and here's how we were affected, and showing the entire world of Pacific Rim in five minutes in the opening credits for it. Why don't we have that here? Like Now that we've seen Godzilla multiple times, and we've had this huge fight in Boston with all of these kaiju and stuff, Where's that? Where's like, I remember Boston, like people wearing pins or something. Like we, we talk more about the incident that happened in New York for so many years after the Avengers than we will uh, about these monsters destroying Boston. And they straight up destroyed it. It's, yeah, it's, it's super weird because to your point, and this is something I'm not sure that they've really contemplated a lot either. This movie came out in 2014. This movie is very much inspired by. Nolan and Snyder. It is. It has to be. They're taking the Godzilla story and they're throwing a a coat of paint on it that is meant to make it more adult, more palatable for mature audiences. Give you something to chew on. At least that's what the first movie tried to do and it failed at it horribly. That notwithstanding, you can't do that in your first movie. Do it in your, not do it in your second movie. Do it in your third movie and then not do it in your fourth movie. Because Kong Skull Island is way before anything, so they don't have to address it. They address the Vietnam War thing, which which is the Samuel L. Jackson character, which you reminded me, and I rewatched it. I was like, oh, God, you're right. He's totally in here. That movie is being used for two things. It's a King Kong movie, and it's also kind of an anti-war movie, or kind of like the horrors of war, like the warnings about going to war. And then this movie's just like, ha, 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 big monsters fighting. It's like, that's fine, but that's not the universe this movie lives in. It is a shame that Rampage was a much more thought out and well put together film than this one. I would watch Rampage any day of the week if I never had to watch this movie again. I actually kind of want to watch Rampage now. Rampage is a pretty bitchin' film, man. I kind of remember liking it. And you know what? There's like five human characters in there. That's about it. The bad guy, the, the bad guy who's a woman and her brother. There's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who kind of switches sides in the oh, middle. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is so good in that movie. He's That's so right. good. He's like, yes. he like comes in from another movie to save the movie. There's a cool guy. Here comes the cool guy to show all the losers what's up. There's the rock and there's the vet. And there you go. Do you know what I was thinking of at the end of this movie? Speaking of the rock, when Godzilla and, and King Kong, I, and I'm sorry, but he is a king. When they start battling Mechagodzilla, I said to my wife, I said, this is the end of Hobbs and Shaw when they're beating up on Idris Elba. Just blown up a hundred times. Look at me. I'm Black Superman. I was waiting to see inside of Mechagodzilla's eyes where it's like, this one's fast. That one hits hard. Which one should I fight first? I was waiting to, for the Japanese guy to to have somebody that he had to pair with psychologically yeah. yes. in order to go <laughs> Is it is it weird that they go to that in this movie, given how like Pacific Rim kind of filled the kaiju void in Western kaiju films for like 15 years? Is it weird that they use essentially the same thing? Yes and no, because Mechagodzilla does have previous legs, but I don't remember anybody driving Mechagodzilla, but I'm sure somebody did. Well, in this film, we don't even know what's controlling Mechagodzilla. Because Ken Watanabe's kid is nowhere inside of the actual creature. And then you spill water on the keyboard and it dies. 
I'm glad that there were a lot of uh, protections in there. It's kind of like the end of that fantastic movie, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Oh, yes. When Steven Seagal destroys the computer monitor, thus disabling the program from running on the computer itself. That is how that works. I can confirm that. I can confirm that to you. It's like that bit from Star Wars where Han Solo just goes, everything's fine, and shoots it. That is this movie's climax in a, whole, in, in, in a nutshell. Except it's not played for laughs. It's like a serious, like, oh, your wife's whiskey. It's like, no, this isn't earned. You're, you're trying way too hard. And that banter between the two of them, like, I was went to computer camp, and I'll, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so bad. My, my wife, who is always the astute uh, 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 observation, has said, this Gen Z dialogue is making my head hurt. It was very like, oh, this could be a DJ booth. Oh, don't you know about the fluoride in the water? Like, we get it. You're trying to write for an audience who is much younger than the people who are actually going to be watching this movie. I like Brian Tyree Henry and everything I've seen him in, but this. I think Billy Bobby Brown is okay, but not in this. I did, what would have fixed this movie? What, what, what could they have done to make this movie more palatable, more palatable for you? Because I have my own answer, but I'm curious kind of where you come down, given how big of a failure this was. Give me a better reason why they're fighting. If you're going to keep Mechagodzilla, give me a better reason for his existence. Definitely build up to him a lot more than you're, than you're doing. Introduce him in the last movie. Or inklings of an idea. Eliminate probably half of these characters. I, I agree with everything that you have posited. I would say that you need a charismatic lead. Stop like pussyfooting around with these actors who are good at other things, but not being your charismatic lead. Alexander Skarsgård was in that Tarzan movie. That Tarzan movie is not considered a critical or financial classic or a success. Yeah. And per you, I haven't even seen it because it didn't look good and I didn't hear anything good about it. That's on me for not watching it. But I, I like we mentioned at the top of this, like I, I don't consider him a charismatic actor. So maybe find someone who could be given that you're not really having people come back and the people that you're having come back are not worthy of coming back. I.e. Kyle Chandler. I mean, I would have been fine had they said, you know what, Kyle Chandler, he was in the last movie. He's going to be the lead of this movie. It's going to be him and Millie Bobby Brown. And they're going to be doing whatever they need to do, investigating this, fixing that yada, yada, yada. I don't even mind if you put like a dorky scientist character in there as well. I mean, even the guy who was in the last movie who now has been canceled, you know, the, the guy from, um, I think it was in some, uh, phone commercials, Oh, Thomas Middleditch. Yes. Bring back Bradley Whitford if you want to. Okay, cool. Bring the old gang back if you want to, but just quit introducing all of these new characters just over and over and over again. But yes, to your point, give me somebody charismatic. Give me one person that's charismatic. Give me Brian Cranston. Maybe you shouldn't have killed him in the first movie. Just put Jeffrey Dean Morgan in this movie. The way I think this film is fixed easily is take Mechagodzilla out. Actually have Godzilla and King Kong fight almost to the death, if not to the death. Have one of the characters die. Give the film some stakes. But to your point, this film lives and dies by the question on everyone's mind, because that's a question that needs to be answered at the forefront, given the title of the film, is why are Godzilla and King Kong fighting? I I think it's because one of them was controlled and they fought before and... Maybe there was some previous tension with previous ancestors. Sure. Why not? Okay. So show us that. Yeah. So yeah, might as well. The last movie, Godzilla's down for the count. So they have to nuke him and Ken Watanabe 
that sacrifices himself. This movie, same fucking thing happens. No Ken Watanabe and Alexander Skarsgård does not sacrifice himself, but King Kong's down for the count, and now we have to give him a jump start. Okay, great. Really? I was like, again? Again we're going to do this? I don't even get why they quit fighting the first time, because I guess Godzilla was knocked down, or sorry, King Kong was knocked down. He didn't get up again. Only heaven could really keep him down. But then they turn off the boat, and they're just like, oh, if we're quiet, Godzilla will go away. Literally, that's part of this movie. Sight is based on movement. It's lazy, and I fear that the laziness is being ignored in in place of enjoying two big monsters fighting. But again, I, I will go back to an, another thing that we can say with absolute certainty. You could literally watch 30 other movies with monsters fighting, and it's just as fun. It's actually probably more fun because I hate to break it to a lot of folks, but the Toho movies not, aren't necessarily good, quote unquote. They're entertaining in how kind of bizarre they are i.e. King Kong Escapes. I had so much fun with King Kong Escapes, laughing both with it and at it. But you know what? Laughing at a film and enjoying it for kind of how fucking weird it is, is okay. It's perfectly fun. It's actually, I would rather do that. I would rather watch King Kong Escapes again than this because at least watching King Kong Escapes, I know that the directors were doing what they could with what they had. And yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's cornball. It's kind of almost unwatchable in spots due to certain actors you know, chirping out the same lines over and over again. But at least they understood that these characters are are giant fucking monkey fighting another giant fucking lizard in this movie, another monkey, monkey robot in the other movie. This is not serious. If you want to be serious, fine. But but the problem is, is you can't be serious and expect things to be serious and then not actually, like you said, talk about the loss of life and the economic impact of all these things that are happening. And like displacement of people and people that don't have homes and families that are being destroyed. You want to get dark? Let's get fucking dark. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. The fact that a a giant monster walks through these people's town, they're just like, no, no, like millions of people are dead. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the body count is in this monster verse here, but it's like millions of people. Do you want a good kaiju film that we haven't talked about already that we that is not pacific rim that is not king kong versus godzilla that is not king kong escapes i think i mentioned the gamera films i will say again go back to gamera guardian of the universe from 95 uh gamera 2 attack of legion and gamera 3 revenge of iris i saw revenge of iris at the toronto film festival years ago fucking loved it because and that's what i remember about that film was wow, this is what would happen if a monster attacked another monster in a populated area. They actually talk about that. And I want to say you were talking about how, you know, there's a character who swears revenge on Godzilla or Kong. It was very much like that. This idea of you destroyed wherever Pensacola or wherever (laughs) or Boston, you know, Godzilla, you were there with King Ghidorah and you destroyed so much of, of life. You know, you stepped on my house or whatever great here's a character that that swears vengeance there is very much a character like that in these gamma films and it's like uh, introduce a little bit of reality in your film if you're going to go so dark and be in the dark universe yeah and the funniest thing on top of everything else is they actually had a character they had two characters in this movie that you could have used you did have millie bobby brown's character who you could 
turn it a little bit, maybe turn her a little bit, give her a little bit of a darker angle. But you do have Ken Watanabe's son's character. Why wouldn't he want to kill Godzilla? Godzilla is the reason his dad is dead. And so you could have baked that into the movie, made it a bigger deal. And I think you actually could have made Mecha Godzilla work in this film if this film is this kid is trying to kill Godzilla and get Godzilla weakened so that he can kill him with Mecha Godzilla because he killed his dad, you know, because his dad killed himself to bring Godzilla back to life. That shit writes itself. It just, we just wrote it. You have, you even went as far as to have that character in your film and address who he is. And that was not part of his character makeup. Wow. That just seems like a missed opportunity. He had so many reasons to be angry. Like, let's just take his role and twist it a little bit. He's the mad scientist who's creating Mechagodzilla, but he needs to use this other guy, Walter, for his money. So he's really the guy who's pulling the strings, and here's this clueless capitalist that is funding him because he's got some sort of weird idea about kaiju, and maybe like he's a religious fanatic and thinks that they are all from hell because they come from the Middle Earth, from the the, the Hollow Earth. Okay, great. That's perfect. Demons from the deep. I'm going to kill all these demons. You know, I need you to help me, son. I need you to make this big old monster to, to knock these fellers out. Okay, great. If Demian Bashir could pull that accent off, that's the accent pull-off of a lifetime. I will say this film also tried to give itself like a, and I don't know if this is what I was going for, but it kind of felt like it. It almost went for like a deep blue sea moment with Demian Bashir. Oh, look behind him. It's like, if this were earned, we'd all be laughing. Because it's not, I, when he died, I was like, why did it kill him? The magical element X that has no explanation but can control robots. No, no idea. I, I wondered about that. When I saw it the first time, I was like, did I just see what I just saw? And then when mm-hmm. I saw it the second time, I was just like, why? Again? Is that Ghidorah? Is that Elohim X? What is happening? Could be. Might as well be. Why do I have more questions than answers walking away from this movie? Walking away from a movie that's ostensibly about a giant lizard and a giant monkey fighting each other, and then a giant mechanical version of that lizard. And again, I, I I think the most obvious point that I can point to for how what level this this film thinks its audience is able to handle is the fact that they weren't aware or didn't think that we're smart enough to know that he's called Mecha Godzilla. So they're like, "That's Robot Godzilla," and then he goes, "No, that's Mecha Godzilla." Yeah, uh, no shit. We're not dumb. It's like you said, I felt like this movie thinks I'm an idiot and I'm not and you're not and no one who watches this film and enjoys it is an idiot. I'm not going to call you stupid because you like this movie, but I think the film thinks that you're stupid. It thinks you're stupid. And that's the problem. It's like Nolan. Chris Nolan has made an entire career off of thinking his audiences are idiots. He just goes, oh, I'll consult a scientist and put some facts in my movie and this will be cool. And, oh, let's talk about how superheroes are modern day. I don't know what the fuck he was going for with Batman. It's fine. And I don't think he really knew either. But he wanted it to be an intelligent conversation on heroes and hero worship. And it's like, dude, you didn't even really scratch the surface. You're not Grant Morrison. Don't even try. But but people eat it up. People are like, oh, this is so good. It's the best version of Batman. It's like, yeah. Yeah, they eat it up with it. They're not eating it up with a spoon. They're shoveling it into their mouths with a shovel. Do you think this is it? I know we talked about this at the end of Justice. Like, do you think this is it? I think it is for a while. I think they'll come back with something else. Or do you think it'll be something else? I think it'll be something else. So no MonsterVerse? 
I mean, they see how well these things do. This movie's barely been out, but already the Wikipedia article is bragging about how it's the fourth highest grossing film of 2021. And like, it's only uh, April here, guys. Also, being the fourth highest grossing film of 2021 is the world's largest. There's nothing else coming out this year. There are a handful of things, but all of those things, I believe at least the big stuff is coming out on an alternate streaming platform as well. Black Widow, they've said, is coming out on Disney+. Plus. If you go see this in theaters, well, you can watch it at home. Had this not been a pandemic, I would have seen this at the theater. I know, I said that too. And you and I would have been exponentially more disappointed. <laughs> I would have been real upset. Because, I, I mean, I remember what happened when I walked out of Pacific Rim 2. And I was like, I will never spend more money on shit like this again. And, like, I would have walked out of this movie saying, oh, I, they got me. This is when I would have gotten so much use out of my Run P app, which is the app that tells you, is there shit after the end credits? <laughs> what was the intent for not end crediting this movie? Is this it? Are they just admitting defeat? That's what it feels like. Like I said, like we said when we talked about Justice League, there's money on the table. Oh, yeah. Big money. This is the the, the Superman and Batman of this universe just had a fight. So this is Batman v Superman all over again, colon, Dawn of Justice. No exaggeration either. Do they team up now? Do they form a Kaiju League? I don't know where they go. There's plenty of other monsters that can come out of the sky. There's a lot of monsters living in the Hollow Earth still. Those bat bird things. I don't know where any of the other Kaiju were. Hanging out. That is a good question. Where were the other? You would think if these two motherfuckers are fighting, you'd have mothra and all the other yo-yos hanging out on the sidelines like waiting to kill one of them to be like i can take advantage of this yeah from a film that talks about king of the monsters to a film that shows none of the monsters but king kong this whole monster verse should be should be a, a a telling lesson and a thankful reminder to so many of us who know about the dark universe and how far it did not get off the ground this is what happens when it gets off the ground just as like dragging its leg it's crawling now on the ground with no legs like a zombie just crawling and it's just like just put it out of its misery please just stop give godzilla something fun to do or or do a shin godzilla in the united states like let's let's do that let's let's maybe confront some uh let's confront some uncomfortable topics with godzilla that's what we use that's what godzilla is being used for before we can't do that. We can't make people think when they watch these movies. That's okay. You know what, Mike? We'll always have 1999's Godzilla. And we'll always have Kong, Skull Island. Why don't they call him King Kong? I don't know why. I'm wondering if it's a rights thing. It's kind of weird. Is it? Because it, it wasn't be. King Kong, Skull Island, was it? It was just Kong, Skull Island. No, and then they never call him King Kong in this movie. They just say, like, oh, he's the king. He bows to no one. Great line from the trailer, too. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of lines while I was watching this. I had I haven't seen the trailer, but there are a lot of lines where I was just like, "That's got to be in the trailer." He bows to no one. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> like we've kind of been talking about here. I, I think the intentions were good going into this monster verse. I don't think anyone Max Borenstein obviously was one of the early people in this, and obviously, like you mentioned, he had a hand in this. But Max Borenstein is the only writer on the original Godzilla film, and I think his heart was in the right place. I don't think it worked very well. And then I think that probably should have been the spot where we stopped, reassessed some things and moved forward. And I have no issue with introducing Kong or 
Othra or Gamera or Rodan or any of the weirder ones that look like lobsters with pincers on their heads. Introduce weird shit. Let's get weird. But don't oscillate between fun and serious and fun and serious and fun and serious. Because the only movie that's been fun in all of these movies has been Kong Skull Island. That's because it didn't take itself seriously. To the, It didn't take itself seriously, but it did. It did when it needed to. And it knew when it didn't need to. They knew when to put the laugh lines in. They knew how to use John C. Riley very well. The more I think about that movie, the more I like it. And I've seen it plenty of times and I enjoy every single time I watch it. And what's sad is it is I look at that movie and I just say, why couldn't all of this been like, why, why, why was that the, why is that, why is John Voight or Jordan Voight Roberts version of Kong the only film in four movies that actually has a heart and soul and feels like it cares about the story it's telling you? Is it because all of the human actors are much better actors? I don't know. I think Millie Bobby Brown is good in everything else but this. She's pretty good on Stranger Things. Alexander Skarsgård's okay. I mean, Rebecca Hall is great. Brian Tyree Henry is good in everything else. I I think it's a kind of an issue of you're more on top of who you're casting is probably right. I think there are good people, but I think the people that are in the roles that don't need to be there are the problem, like Alexander Skarsgård. I think there are good people on both sides. On all sides. We're surrounded by them at all times. All around us. It's just there in the air constantly. I want to know what Demian Bashir said when he read the script for this movie and was like, I'm in three scenes. Okay. Easy paycheck. Or Lance Reddick, for fuck's sake. God, that guy is such a good actor. Why are you I love here? Lance Reddick. Yeah. yeah. God, talk about a guy that can't take it, that, that it like has a sense of humor. Uh, his his bit on the Eric Andre show is like the is my favorite bit because he is on the show, but he's in on the joke and he he may, he he's part of the show. He's a guy who is self-aware and seeing him in this movie, it's like, man, they must've paid you a lot of money. Cause you know, they did. This movie was a, what a Warner brothers film legendaries, Warner brothers, right? Well, yeah. Cause this was um, released on HBO max. So yeah. Yeah, it's a Warner brothers film. I wonder how it's going to do. I think it's already doing well, obviously. The fourth highest grossing film of 2021. Oh my God. See it again this weekend. The fifth highest grossing film of 1903. You're going to use 2021 or 2020 as a measuring stick for how successful your movie was. Your numbers are going to make a lot of sense to us and no sense to people in the future. What happened in this year? Yeah, what was that with 2021 again? Oh, right. Pandemic. Feels like nobody went to the movies. This is really strange. Was that when cable took over? Do you think this puts more water in HBO's bucket of doing something like this? Because that's the ultimate big question here, right? Because this is the second experiment. From the reception that it's gotten, because I've also seen a lot of people just like, oh my God, this is fantastic. I don't see HBO backing down on something like this. And I see them wanting, I see Warner Brothers wanting to make another one of these. I, I think so. I, as much as I don't want it to happen, I'm sure. It's just like, where does it go from here? Like you said, is, do Godzilla and King Kong team up? Does Mecha Godzilla come back? Does Mothra come into the picture? No end credit scene doesn't give us anything to ask questions about. And the ending seemed pretty cut and dry. Other than that weird part where Godzilla was out in this like post-apocalyptic world and King Kong was there talking about how he's going to give him a reach around in prison. Mm-hmm. And then Bradley was Whitford was there too, wearing like a weird suit of like, uh, like that he could run fast in. Yeah. And Millie Bobby Brown had an English accent all yeah. of a sudden. I would pay to see someone put Godzilla in that scene. Whereas, like, talking to the Joker, oh, hey, we should mention, 
something sad, really sad. And I am going to call this out because this is just fucking insane to me. Gimmicky shit on the internet regarding movies is publicity that they're paying these websites for. Just so we're all on the same page here. As far as what? I'm, I'm, I'm not That Godzilla yet. interview that Slash Film did. They were being paid by Legendary to do that. I mean, who's going to go out of their way to make that? They're using clips from the movies. They're trying to drum up interest in the movie. They're trying to keep in the good graces of the big studios, which is fine. Look, they get to go set visits all the time. Unless they thought it was a hilarious April Fool's joke. But yeah, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we'll give you like a, 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 a whiteboard of ideas. Pick one and do it. And you get to come visit the set this year and we keep you in our good graces. Okay, Harry Knowles. Out of five, what would you give Godzilla versus Kong? One and a half. It was two hours, man. That's fucking wild to me. It felt like a it felt like a 30-minute movie, right? It kind of did. Kind of at times. Tell me all the then, stuff that happened between the two fights. I mean, I took notes, but... Yeah. <laughs> things happened, but things of inconsequential value. Kong, it's your home. It's your home. home. It's your home. I really want to know if they were doing actual sign language or not. I think they were because that girl, I think she grew up with deaf people. Oh, is she? I, okay. I'm not sure if she's deaf herself, but I think she grew up with like maybe deaf parents. Interesting. I, I We recently just watched a film on Hulu called Run, and it has um, a wheelchair-using actress in it. And it was super awesome because she's a great actress, too. It's not stunt casting if the people are good. It's only stunt casting if they're bad. <laughs> That's how that works. That's why Laverne Cox and Rocky Horror was terrible. Because Laverne Cox wasn't good in that. What would you give it out of five? One and a half, two at most. Knowing my wife, she's going to watch this film a few times. I don't see me starting to enjoy it any more than I did today. Did Andrea enjoy it? I think she liked it a little bit more than me. She was catching she thought that the use of the song at the beginning but something about like you know going over the mountain to see this girl or something and it, she was just like oh yeah they're describing what's happening in the film this is interesting i like the last song that they use the air that i breathe the hollies the song from little rascals the song from little rascals yeah all i need is the air that i breathe it's a it, little alfalfa sings it to darla during the and then he's like blowing bubbles out of his mouth and he's farting bubbles. I, when I saw it at the end of the movie, I was like, boy, this is just perfect. I, I'm so old that I watched the original Little Rascals. I've never actually seen the movie of the Little Rascals. Do you know who's in the movie of the Little Rascals? No. Donald Trump. He plays the rich kid's bastard father. <laughs> what a surprise. One of his lines in the film, I bet echoes through his own children's minds. You're the best son money can buy. But that's when I heard that at the end of the movie, I was like, that's just like, what? Okay. Yeah. For me, anymore? it's Virgin Suicide's song. So it's like, okay. Never seen it. I never made it through there, but I love the soundtrack. Imagine me not liking a Sofia Coppola <laughs> film. Yeah. Weird. So weird. But guess what just happened because of this podcast? We are now on Adam Wingard's mean people list. I've seen a lot of people being very positive about this movie. I think we're in a, I think we're in a small minority of people who did not like this movie. I'm looking forward to Sunday to see the pitch meeting. I really like oh, yeah. George's work. I imagine it'll probably be two weeks before they get the honest trailer out for this thing, but probably I think they'll, they'll do a good job with that as well. I want to so. hear what red letter media has to say. I know how much you hate those guys. Yeah, they're the worst. 
I would love to have Jay. I would love to have Jay on my podcast. I really would. Um, yeah, I would here. like to have. Well, haven't you had Jay on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, a couple times, but yeah, I'd, I, he's never working have, back never, anytime. Never had Mike though. No, no, never Mike. And um, I don't know if I, uh, Rich. I'm not sure. His laugh is where it's at for me. I bet that they don't like this. Yeah, I have a feeling that they won't. But then yeah. you know, according to Josh, I just hate everything. Says the man who hates everything. Yeah, I know. It's good. <laughs> Except for weird, like the, the bear wench project, you know? Sure. Well, but that's, <laughs> that's how you establish your cred is you hate. So this is what I was told because people told me this. The way I establish my cred as a film person is hating everything that you like and telling you all about the things that I like that are way better. Oh, okay. That's our perceived. Were you Chris Cabin? <laughs> no, that's, I was, that's, I have friends from college that were like, you just don't like good things. And it's like, Right, Batman versus Superman. Sorry, not Knives Out. Sorry, like you're right. I don't like. I don't find something that's as mainstream to be as appealing as everyone else. That's not terrible. But then, if you do find a mainstream movie you like, you have to call it your guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right, because we can't just like things. Just like we couldn't just like Marvel and DC separately and together. Can't like King Kong and Godzilla. Right, King Kong. Team Godzilla. Yeah. No, Where was that? Was team. Where yeah. was that? They, Where was they did. That? They had that all over Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. And people are just like, why are you Team Kong or Team Godzilla? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, what? It, what is the defining characteristic of either versions of the character right. in these movies? I could understand Team Captain America versus Team Iron Man. Of course. They had some very distinct POVs, which were very well earned in previous films. Do you know what's really cool? And this is, I think this is where we should close this podcast, but I think it's something that we didn't really talk about, but you bringing up Captain America and Iron Man is very funny. That is the only version of these kinds of movies that has ever worked. It worked so well that I almost forget that it's a versus movie because it is Captain America versus Iron Man. I mean, if you read the Civil War comic book, you know the storyline. It's not identical. It's not five movies long, thank God. But it's a good condensed down version of that, and it works. And you do have Captain America fighting Iron Man, which is fucking awesome. Well, in that fight towards the end, when it's him and Bucky fighting against Iron Man, it's a really tough fight because especially it's my granddaughter. Why are they fighting? It's like, you guys should be friends, you know, but Baron Zemo managed to fuck them all up. And then you also have the character, you know, one of the characters who ends up actually having something to do with the other character, which is also nice. It's so shocking to me because these movies, these kinds of movies come out every couple years. I think this has been the first one that we've gotten since Captain America versus Iron Man Civil War. That was the most successful one. Freddy versus Jason, not good. Fun, but not good. I liked Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, it's fun. But I mean, it's not like a great movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I laughed a lot. Yeah. And what was great with that one, and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent. I remember they were fighting at one point in a field. And I think Jason gets set on fire. And it was funny because as that fight is happening, I literally said to my friend Mike Thompson, who was right next to me, and I said, I want an overhead shot. I, they got to do an overhead shot. And like Ronnie, you heard me and just cut. And it was an overhead shot. Oh, of- yeah. <laughs> Dude, Ron, that's, that's the best thing about Freddy versus Jason is who directed it. It's like, the, this is not the person you would think. But boy, he, Ronnie, you like the only reason I like that movie is because Ronnie, you like he doesn't get it. But in not getting it, that's kind of what makes the movie good. 
is he doesn't like pander to everybody. He doesn't get, he like, he, I think in, in never, never go to sleep. I believe Ronnie, you says like, I don't know shit about either of these characters. I don't even like them. Like good. That was my second Jason movie that I ever saw. The oh, first really? one was Jason X. So I, those are the only two Jason movies I've ever seen. And yet, and then yet you have something like this that tries to copy that formula and can't even make it fun. It can't even be fun. Like Freddy versus Jason is not a good movie. It's not going to win any technical awards for screenwriting or anything else, but it's a dumb movie that happens to be very fun. And while it doesn't have a definitive conclusion, it's a fun journey getting there. This movie, it's not even fun. And it's just a shame. It's a damn shame. So Chris, when you're not complaining about things that bring people joy... Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Christmas Claus. And yeah, I'm complaining there all the time about things that I hate that you love. Don't lie. You're barely on Twitter. I know. I'm barely on Twitter because if I was on Twitter all the time, people would attack me. It's not like I'm out. It's not. It's like I'm a soft spoken guy. I, I'm pretty outspoken with my opinions. You would be put on the mean people list constantly. That was the joke I, t- I texted Jess before we started this. I was like, you think I can get on a couple more lists by the end of this podcast? Because every we talked about every single one, so I'm expecting all of them but Jordan Voigt Roberts to, to put me on the mean man list. You're so mean, Chris. Yeah. Where can people find you when you're not complaining about things that people love? Uh, you can find me over at projectionboothpodcast.com where I complain about things that nobody cares about. I care about them. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate that.
If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media, let's make some noise.